We are in a series on relationships. And we actually started it last week. And so if you're visiting for the first time, um, or if you're uh, sort of a, a regular, whatever that means, here, then you're in on the, uh, the second message in this series. Last week, we talked about the passage in Scripture where Jesus encounters a religious leader. And the religious leader asks him, uh, Jesus, what's the most important commandment? And Jesus said, without hesitation, the most important commandment is that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, and as an added extra that you love your neighbor as yourself. And what I suggested last week was that that is the foundational piece of relationship. Uh, Before we can get any of the rest of it right, we need to understand that part, and we need to get that right. That's the foundation. That is the foundation. And I also suggested that we are all in the process of understanding what it means to love God with all that we are, with our entire being. And certainly, we're in the process of learning what it means to love our neighbor as ourself. And... um, So, join us this morning uh, on the journey. We're all at some point on this journey of faith. And we're going to continue to talk about relationships. Uh, We're going to talk about relationships as Jesus uh, talked about relationships. And um, this morning, we're going to consider how important our heart is. How important, are you ready for the F word? For feelings. How important feelings are to relationships, and you're thinking, oh no, feelings. Moreover, we're going to talk about some ways that we can begin to act, okay? That we can begin to act to do things as though our heart really matters. You see, I'm convinced that too many of us, and this is not a gender issue, by the way. People say, oh, men, you know, they don't, they don't feel anything. They don't express emotion. You know what? I know a lot of women who are ice queens, Right? They don't express emotion either. So it's not a gender thing. There's men who are very emotional and feeling and in touch with that. And there's women that are, but there's also men and women that aren't. So it's not a gender thing, okay? The truth is, in every one of our relationships, and we're not talking here just about marriage, I'm talking about family relationships, I'm talking about friendship relationships, any kind of relationship, the most important thing is our heart. The content of our heart. What is going on inside of us? That is what's so important. That, in fact, is more important than our actions. It's what Jesus teaches. In fact, he goes further. He says that the content of our heart is exactly that which determines our actions. You understand that? So it's not just about, you know, what's inside of me, but the truth is that what's inside of us, what's truly inside of us determines ultimately what we do. He says that what's going on inside of us affects what happens on the outside of us. You see, it's not simply about this glossy exterior that you and I have. Some of us are more glossy than others, by the way. It's not about what others see that really matters. It's about our heart. It's about what's inside. It's about that dialogue. It's about that interaction that goes on inside of us that matters most of all because that ultimately determines what we do and how we relate to people, how we relate to God. You can't get away from it. And this morning, we're going to look at some passages from Christ's Sermon on the Mount. 
And we're going to discover that most of his teaching focuses on the relationship between the exterior self, right, and between the interior self, between our actions and our hearts. Sermon on the Mount is perhaps familiar to some of you. Maybe you've heard it. It's uh, considered probably the greatest sermon, the greatest piece of teaching ever, ever. But it deals with the internal and the external and how we we make sense of of, of those things. So if you have a Bible with you this morning, I want to encourage you to open to Matthew 5. And what I'm going to do is sort of skip around through this section of Scripture. And I'll, I'll tell you where I'm at so you won't be confused. But Matthew 5, and we're really going to begin at verse 21 in the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus sat down to teach his disciples. Notice that. But as usually was the case, when he began to teach his friends, his disciples, he gathered a large crowd of people who listened in. He began to teach them about the importance of looking at their heart, of of understanding what was going on inside of them. And in verse 21... He talks about an all-too-familiar issue, anger, at least all-too-familiar for many of us. And this is what he says, and he says this over and over, by the way. You've heard it said, but I say. You've heard it said this way, but I say it this way. He says, you've heard, it, you've heard that it was said to people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders is subject to judgment. But I tell you, anyone who is angry with a brother or a sister, is subject to judgment. The kind of anger that Jesus is talking about here is not some sort of impulsive, reactive anger. He's not talking about getting angry because someone cut you off on the highway. He's talking about a settled kind of anger. An anger that, 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 that sits down and takes root in your heart. An anger that grows. An anger that, in fact, is being fed by us. Jesus is saying that this kind of anger grows in our heart. That's where it takes root, and that's where it begins to grow. People, other people may not see it. They may not even notice it for a while, but that's beside the point. According to Christ, it doesn't really matter what others see. What really matters is your heart, what's happening inside of you. Even... If you've never murdered anyone, when you harbor this kind of anger toward anyone, Jesus says, it's if though you've committed murder. That's how serious it is. I have this suspicion. I think that most of us live with this idea that what others don't know won't hurt them. In fact, I think we believe that what others don't know ultimately doesn't hurt us either. The problem is that too many of us think that our feelings or what's happening internally doesn't matter. Our attitude is something like this. So, what about my heart? What about my feelings? As long as people don't see, as long as no one knows what's going on inside of me, what is the big deal? I can put on the good face. So, what if I hate my job? What if I hate the people I work with? What if I don't have any use for any of them? So what? So what if I feel trapped in my marriage? So what if I feel trapped in a relationship? So what? So what if I'm incredibly disappointed with my children? So what if I can't love them the way that I really want to love them? So what? I will just power through it like I do with everything else and it will be okay. That, I would argue, 
is the way that most of us deal with what goes on inside. And this morning, I want to encourage all of you to do something about your heart. Begin by paying attention to it. Here's the deal. Those of us who know Christ believe that the Holy Spirit indwells us, lives inside of us, and therefore speaks to us and directs us. Here's the problem. We don't find balance, you know. We're, we're skeptical of people who say, God said this. God told me to do that. God is telling me to whatever. So instead of finding balance in that, we go to the opposite extreme where we don't pay attention to that at all. We're not connected to the way God speaks to us, the way that God speaks to our heart. We shy away from that. We're afraid of it. We need to pay attention. Quit ignoring what's going on inside of you. Stop it. Stop bottling up feelings. Stop bottling up impressions and perceptions. Stop stuffing them down deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper because the reality is you can't stuff them deep enough. Ultimately, eventually, they find their way to the surface and they come out in some very ugly and destructive ways from time to time. Quit blaming your feelings on other people. I am so worn out, honestly. You know, something is always someone else's fault. And in some cases, that's true. But more often than not, you need to own what's going on inside of you. Don't blame it on someone else. I don't care what they've done. You need to begin to own your stuff. You need to begin to own it. You need to turn that over to Christ and let Him deal with it. Get honest with yourself. Easier said than done. Look in the mirror. Look in the mirror, look deep inside, and begin to deal with how you feel. Jesus tells us that what's going on inside of us is incredibly important. That our feelings matter to God. They matter to other people. They affect our relationship with God. They affect our relationships with others. He also tells us some ways that we might begin to act as though our feelings really matter. Because again, I don't think any of you would say feelings are utterly unimportant. I think you would all say, yeah, some level of emotion, some level of feeling is okay, but come on. You know, I don't want to get all touchy-feely. You know, that becomes a, a bad thing. But we need to begin to act We need to begin to do something that demonstrates that our feelings matter, that we're in touch with those. And here's the first thing. Jesus says this, and this is the word that I give to it. He says we need to give priority to matters of the heart. In other words, pay attention to your feelings. Listen to your heart. Listen to the Holy Spirit who indwells you. It's really important. After Jesus addresses this issue of anger... In verse 21, he moves on in verse 23 to tackle another common issue. Take a look at this verse. My paraphrase. Apologies to the NIV. He says, if you're struggling relationally... Now, I think it's interesting that the way he puts it is if someone has something against you. Alright? But here's how I want to say it. If you're struggling relationally, if you have beef with another person, and you show up here... You show up for worship 
You need to deal with your beef. You need to deal with it. In fact, before you ever offer your gift at the altar, before you ever come to the table, before you ever sing a song of praise, before you ever utter a prayer, before you come before the Lord, you need to first, Jesus says, and highlight that word, first, go and be reconciled to that person or to those people, and then you come and worship God. Does this not speak of the importance of relationships, of right relationships? Before you worship the one who created you, Jesus says, you get right with those around you. That is important. Maybe we should just stop. Maybe we should stop here and I should dismiss you and you can go and you can call people. You can, I don't know. Maybe we should just start over this morning. But I have a sermon to preach, so I'm just wondering. Isn't this passage really about priorities? Now think about this for a minute. If you're in a conflicted relationship with anyone here or anyone elsewhere for that matter, Jesus is saying that you need to give that conflicted relationship priority. You need to deal with it. You need to address it even before you set foot in here. Why? Why? So what? Right? What difference does it make if I have an estranged family member that lives across the country... What possible impact could that have on me showing up here to worship God? Are you nuts? You know what it feels like. Unresolved relationships. You know what that feels like. There's been times when I want to throw up when I wake up in the morning because of that stuff. Do I deal with it? Sometimes. Do I deal with it immediately? Rarely. Unless our hearts are right with God, this is not rocket science, unless they're right with God and other people, we cannot rightly offer ourselves to Christ in worship. There is a part of you that isn't present to God when you're conflicted and you're struggling. When you sing a song, when you hear a prayer, when you hear a sermon, your mind goes to those relationships. And that can be a good thing. The kingdom of God, as I said last week, is the kingdom of right relationships. It is a priority to Jesus Christ. And there is an absolutely critical piece to all this, and it's something that all of us need help with. It's called self-awareness. It's called self-recognition. We need to begin to recognize what's in our heart. We need to begin to recognize why we do the things that we do, and we may need help with that. We need to identify the anger without blaming. We need to identify the hostile feelings that we harbor toward other people. And we need to do something about it. Even, even if it seems radical or weird. Even if it means setting aside something as important as a Sunday morning worship experience. Jesus Christ wants us to be in right, God-honoring relationships with people. Pay attention to your heart. Give it priority. Does it mean that all of our relationships will be perfect? Absolutely not. What about that person that just drives me nuts? Right? Do I go to that person and say, I have beef with you because I don't like the clothes you wear? I don't like your hair? I don't like that thing on your face? What do we do? I think we need to be careful. Right? We're talking about conflicted relationships, not just about something that someone doesn't meet our preference for some, something or 
something or another. But pay attention. Give it priority. And then Jesus says this. We need to take our heart seriously, folks. In other words, we need to take the matters of our heart seriously. It is serious business. He continues to teach. And you move on to verse 30. And actually verse 29, but I left that one out. But I'll come back to it. Verse 30. You ready for this? If your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. I don't see a lot of missing body parts. If your right hand causes you to stumble. And prior to that, he says, if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. He's not suggesting, okay, that we literally slice off our hands or gouge out our eyes, although some of our forefathers and mothers thought that that was a literal thing. He's really talking about our heart. He's saying that matters of the heart are incredibly serious. They're so serious, in fact, that we must be willing to do anything, anything, no matter how radical, to get our hearts right. What we allow into our heart affects everything, every relationship. So when we recognize that something in our heart is messing up a relationship, whether it's unforgiveness or bitterness or anger or lust, or a million other things, we need to deal with it. And we can't simply ease off or gradually find our way out. Again, I think we do it all the time. I have this issue. Now, it would look really weird if I just stopped. So I'm going to kind of you know, throttle back, and I'll deal with it in, in, in time. What I read here is that we can't do that, that we need to cut it out. We need to get rid of it. We need to, boot, to do something radical, and we need to do it immediately. Relationships are very important. Let's talk honestly for a moment about inappropriate relationships. You may think that your attraction towards someone, your temptation to engage in some sort of inappropriate relationship, even an adulterous one, isn't a big deal. After all, I haven't done anything, so how could it affect my marriage? It does. When you allow stuff, and I'm not just talking here about relational stuff like this, anything in, it affects you. It affects your relationship with God. What about anger? I have met some incredibly angry people, and they seem to nurture and nurse and feed this disease. They live for it. Or jealousy. Or insecurity. There's one. I've seen more things happen because of our insecurity than anything else. Or self-pity. And the list goes on. These heart matters affect every one of your relationships. And for that reason, Jesus says you need to cut them out. You need to take action. You might think that you can deal with them. That you can handle whatever comes your way. But you're going to come up against something that you can't handle. That is a fact. There are some temptations that you will not be able to deal with on your own. So get rid of them. Do whatever you need to do. Take your heart seriously. I one time suggested to someone that he quit his job and move to another city to save his marriage and to save his family. And you would have thought that I came from Pluto. It's serious stuff. You do whatever you need to do. You do whatever you need to do. And the final thing that Jesus tells us, and I think this may be the most difficult, is we need to find practical ways to express our hearts. (laughs) 
We can talk all day long, right, about how much we love people, how much we care about them. But if you never do anything, what difference does it make? Some of us may come from families where we never heard words of love and affection and kindness. Or if we did, they came third person through one parent or the other. Well, you know that, that your dad, he's, he's, he's kind of difficult at times, but, but he really loves you. Well, you know, son, your, your mother is really proud of you. I know she doesn't tell you that. I know she doesn't act like that. But, but I know. I know her heart. And as a kid, you go, well, it would be really nice to experience that. Right? As an adult, it would be really nice to experience that. So we need to engage in some practical behaviors. Think about Jesus for a minute. He listened. He was present, which is huge, by the way. He cared. He healed. He blessed people. He forgave them. And above all, he served them. Selflessly served other people. You and I need to begin to do the same. Paul's letter to the Corinthians, especially chapter 13, that you often hear you know, read at weddings, although people don't even read it that often at weddings anymore because it's been overdone, it contains some incredible stuff. You know, the love chapter, right? I want you to consider three words, and then I'm done. Three words from the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians. Love is patient. Patience is not one of my spiritual gifts. I don't know. Is patience a spiritual gift? I don't think so. At least not for me. What does it really mean? And how is that practical? Well, being patient means that we wait with people, right? We, we walk with them. We wait with them. We, we suffer with them. It's true. But on a practical level, it means that we wait for people, too. Do you wait well for people? For people who are late? For people who dilly-dally around, for spouses who can't seem to get out of the shower, get their hair right. When you're ready to go somewhere, your spouse or your children aren't ready, do you go out in the car and rev the engine, and if if that doesn't work, then you do donuts out in the cul-de-sac? And then you come to church just fired up to worship because you're so happy? What about friends who are chronically late? I know none of you are like that. What does it mean to be patient with people? Sometimes it means we wait with them. It means that we don't finish other people's sentences. Husbands and wives, friends, let somebody speak for themselves. Listen to them. Allow them to do things their way. Recognize that everyone isn't like you. Thank God. And that's okay. I am sure, I know that others have been patient with me, And with you, you need to be patient with people. Practice patience. Love is patient. Love is kind. Kindness. One of the most powerful words in the Bible. One of the most important ways that we can act in any relationship. In marriage, it means turning these vows that we've just made, in some cases, or many years ago, into washing dishes, dumping garbage, buying groceries, mowing the lawn, basic stuff. It means for those of us who have recently had children, and there are many of you here this morning, it means taking your hopes and dreams from the hospital nursery and turning them into changing diapers and staying up late at night with sick children. Those are marriage examples. I can think of lots of examples for those of you that aren't married as well. Regardless of whether you're married or single, 
young or, as we say here, seasoned, we need to extend to everyone in practical ways all the kindness and understanding that we can muster up without any reward or expectation of reward. I came across this quote and the writer said this, we need to begin to treat others, especially those that we're closest to, as though they'll be dead by midnight. Having done two memorial services this week, I can tell you that we need to begin to treat each other as though they'll be dead by midnight. It's important that we love people. And I want to end with this one. Love is not selfish. It's not self-seeking. It is not about me. Love, by definition, is other-centered. It's not about me. It's about others. So stop being selfish in your relationships. It isn't about you. It doesn't get any more practical than this. So how do you know when you're being selfish? If you're like me, when I'm in a particularly selfish, as I like to say, season in my life, or mode, I am so focused on me that I'm not even aware that I'm being selfish. And I think that's most of us. We aren't very good at being self-aware and say, well, I'm being awfully selfish today. We just continue to get more selfish. When I become rude, easily upset, more cynical, and I begin keeping lists, mental balance sheets, of all the things that I do for you and all the things that you don't do for me, I'm becoming selfish. And don't tell me that none of you do that. Emmy Leach told me this morning that you can actually buy a list, right, that has a place for, I won't tell you what the name of the list is, but you write down all the beef you have with people, how you're going to work it out, and then you check it off when you've done it. It's like, you've got to be kidding me. But we're selfish, you know? We, 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 we want our way. And when people don't meet our needs and our expectations, we get really upset. When I get like that, I recognize that I need to center on Christ and not on me. I suspect that some of you are here this morning and you are on the verge of quitting on a relationship. And I don't mean just marriage. There are a variety of relationships that you can bag. I don't need this anymore. You know, Life is too short. I've been dealing with this person for years and they never change. And you're thinking about walking away. Love always perseveres. Love always partners in the battle with people. To whom do you need to say, I will face this with you. I believe in you. I'll look forward to the future with you no matter what happens. When every fiber of my being wants to run away, I will stay with you and you and I will walk through this thing together, whatever it is. I won't give up on you. I trust Christ in you. Who do you need to say that to? Who needs your patience right now? To whom do you need to express kindness? Purpose this week to perform one act of kindness or love for someone who matters to you. It will change them and it will ultimately change you. That's the truth. And what about selfishness? Are you being selfish in a relationship? We all are from time to time. Stop. Focus on Christ and not on yourself. Above all else, pray for God's power, for His presence to help you persevere and to walk with other people in relationship. Pray for the grace not to give up, to hang in there.